Hello, Nevadans. This is the NV Politics Podcast, where we discuss political hot topics throughout the state of Nevada to keep you informed on what's going on. We're your hosts. I'm Dominique Labonte. And I'm Tim Hannafin. And we're recording this episode of NV Politics on August 22nd, 2023. So let's get into it. This is a this is a morning one, not a late one. So Yeah, I have way more energy. And I have right way less. Now. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised at this dynamic. I am a morning person. <laughs> so I'm feeling great. (laughs) Tim is a little drowsy, but we're going to get through this thing today. (laughs) All right. So so, here's what we have on the the docket. We've got our rehash. We're going to just cover a a couple of quick things that we've reviewed. Uh, We've got uh, Jackie Rosen's seat, uh, the Senate seat up for reelection. We're going to discuss a little bit more about... Aaron Ford and the election correction. Yeah. Yeah, Which we said on the, our last episode, maybe, maybe it'll be part of this new segment called we lied to you. So (laughs) I just want to make sure that I clarify some things out there of like, yeah, we may or may not have lied to you. Look, and you know, that's going to happen sometimes. And so we're going to correct those errors. Then we're going to get into our main content where we're going to talk a little bit about, Nevada unemployment results that recently came out. We are going to discuss this very interesting, at least I found it very interesting, uh, whole debacle with the GOP presidential primary versus caucus. We'll, we'll get into that. And then also we're going to talk about how local governments in Nevada broke lobbying records this past uh, session. So... We'll dig into that. And then, of course, we'll jump into our broke, our brain. So let's get into the rehash. I'm going to kick it off, Tim, because mine's probably yeah, really ahead. quick. All right. So for 2024, we have Senator Jackie Rosen running for reelection. And let's see. She's only one term in, correct? Correct. Yep. Yeah. So this- she unseated Mr. Heller in 2018. That's right. And, you know, the past Senate election that we had was with Senator Catherine Cortez Masto in 22. And as the GOP was ramping up for that primary, they had eight candidates on that side trying to get that seat to go against Senator Catherine Cortez Masto. Uh, luckily, she prevailed and won. Gosh, who is she running? Oh, Laxalt, right? Yep. It was Laxalt. Yeah. Well, Laxalt is not running for Jackie Rosen's seat. The current candidates are the following. Sam Brown, who is supposedly backed by Mitch McConnell. He's likely going to be a front runner with prior military background. Uh, then we have... William Conrad, I know nothing about. Tony Grady, I know nothing about. Jeff Gunter, Rhonda Kennedy, Barry Lindman, Jim Marchant, which we've talked about many times, Mr. Election yep. Denier, and Stephanie Phillips. So really, as far as name ID goes, personally, I only know much about Sam Brown and Jim Marchant. Did any of those other names pop out to you, Tim? Um, no, but... Just a couple thoughts on that. One, we have to remember that, like, oh, God, what is it? Like, three-fourths of the voting base of the state lives in Vegas? Yep. So name recognition up here doesn't matter as much (laughs) if you have money backing you to get the name recognition later on because that's just a matter of ads and signs and a good campaign staff or Mm -hmm. calls or whatever. So you can... You can develop that name recognition. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the William Conrad, I know Bill Conrad sounds familiar from somewhere. So okay. he, I, that's probably, probably a name. the same person. Yeah. Um, it, does that actually, like, I think it's a reporter or something. So I'm like, I don't, mm. I don't fully know. I'm not going to act like I know any of sure. them. But the thoughts that I have is this isn't quite uncommon for politics. Sure. 
And the way that I quantify that is if you look at races in the past, generally for primaries, if a primary exists, it's between three or four different candidates. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's changed in recent years is we've seen that balloon to seven or eight. Me being a former candidate in a race of seven in a primary, us talking about one of eight. We saw another one last year Mm -hmm. of eight. It. Mm It's one of those where we saw an increase of it because on both sides, we saw people like Trump and AOC come into the light and gain a lot of popularity, power, and get into politics from relatively not what you'd normally expect. Mm -hmm. These two things combined really inspire a lot of people who say don't have name recognition or don't have money. Sure. Say, well, I mean... Shit, I got the good ideas. I got the I I got I got the thinking the thinking <laughs> cap. I can I can get in there and do something better. I just need to get the back and buy and those thoughts are increasing amongst people across the board on both sides. So we're seeing races of 7 or 8 instead mm-hmm. of 2, 3 or 4. Cuz a, a a crowded primary field isn't uncommon especially for the larger offices because more money's involved. There's more at stake. Yeah. People want to at least get in. And there is also the idea of some candidates will get in just to make their issue heard and get it yeah. onto the main ticket. So mm-hmm. there Which is something some you, and, you and I have talked about before, right? Like, yeah. really, if if you want to win, this is this is Dominique's opinion, okay? This is my own assessment in studying history. <laughs> if you want to win likely run on a moderate platform and later on pick up some of the more extreme or or popular ideas if you want to get an idea out there run on an extreme platform Uh, and if you know people are fond of that idea then the candidates who are close to winning will likely start using some of that language and messaging in in their own campaign so just something to think about don't start, and this is coming from experience here. Yeah. Don't start with a moderate platform pulling in some extreme ideas in the beginning because that doesn't work too well either. That scares right. some people off. Yeah. Um, but I, I have my firm beliefs and stance on the uh, on our green energy, and that's all I'm going to say. Let's all move right. on. Uh, the, the only final thing that I'll say about this is look, it's clear that Republicans want this seat. You know, they're. A lot of talks here is that this seat is really vulnerable because it could potentially give a Senate majority to the Republicans if if they take it from Rosen. So honest, honest to to God, truth. When you look at how our state's politics have gone, we've always had one blue and one red senator for a very long time. Yeah. Rarely do we have one of or two of the same party. Majority. Yeah. Like that, that's got something to play into it. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And we, we need, this is something where we want to make sure that we get out and vote. What was it? I recall Senator Rosen sharing a number, the number of votes that Senator Catherine Cortez Masto won by. She, oh yeah, no, 7,400. Yeah, 7,400 votes. That is a small rural town in Nevada. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we all need to get out there and, and make sure that we are supporting. Um, our technically, candidates. it's not any of the small towns in Nevada. <laughs> if you add all of their voting populations together, not a single town come close to that, except maybe Humboldt County, which is sixty-five. All Thank right. you very well, much. Look, I like to just, just no, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. It's better if I don't say what I was going to say. Well, okay. No, the, the, real, the real factor there is that voting numbers always change, voting yeah. registration always change, and how people will vote mm-hmm. will always change. So, yes, it is very much a small town in Nevada. That is, yep. I, I don't want to actually dismiss that or it's multiple <laughs> small towns in nevada yeah yeah maybe it's two <laughs> yeah. yeah you know it, it's still uh, there's the votes matter yes. especially in our state where we're so fucking small population wise despite how big we are yeah gotta remember that okay tim all right, what, did, so, what did we lie about well we may have lied um we ain't <laughs> lawyers oh well that's right uh so 
we were listening to a speech given by our attorney general, and he mentioned that, you know, it's Nevada's laws that prevented him from really pursuing the fake electors as much as he wanted to, not necessarily just a lack of will or a lack of want. It was a lack of actual legislative or legal power behind his actions or his wants. Uh, and, and that's why we were trying to pass that bill that would correct. hold them uh, accountable mm-hmm. yep. if that ever happened again, which yeah. the governor vetoed, right? Yes. Yeah. So that explains why that legislation was in there is because unlike it was Montana, right, that put the 16... Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. Unlike Michigan, that their laws have the teeth that allowed them to do that. Mm-hmm. Ours are lacking that teeth or lacking, you know, the certain ability or enforcement or, or whatever is lacking in the bills. But And clearly Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just <laughs> a political move. There, there was some legal stuff behind it. Okay. We ain't lawyers. I apologize. Oh, well. Well, to be fair, we were just like, ah, we think it's political. Eh, Yeah. But yeah, there's some there's some more info, some more context there. So thanks for that. That was our rehash. And now we're going to jump into some of our main contents. The first thing that we're going to get into is Nevada unemployment. So according to a Las Vegas Review Journal article from August 18th, just four days ago, we have the highest unemployment in the country. However, we're going to talk about this because we're in a really weird spot, okay? While we have more people working than we ever have, we so we also have the highest job growth rate in the country, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. But again, we also have the highest unemployment in the country. And so... Yep. We might be like, how the hell does that happen? And the best that I can explain it, and Tim, I'm happy for you to jump in here too, is this is currently being attributed to rapid growth. Basically, there are a shit ton of jobs being created, but we're not able to fill them. Let's talk about how unemployment's rate the unemployment rate is determined and reported before we actually dive into this. Because based on what you just said, Mm -hmm. that means that our unemployment rate should be the lowest in the country, not the highest. Right. Before I even get into everything, the unemployment rate is determined by the amount of people in a given state or area actively looking for a job. Okay. Not who are getting jobs, not who are actually unemployed, but who are actively looking for the job. And can't get one. And can get one. The job, the unemployment rate may be higher or lower lower than what is reported because it's just based on how many people are looking for the job based on, you know, the jobs available. Basically supply versus demand, correct? Correct. Correct. And if we have a, if we have a situation where the supply is drastically outpacing the demand, we shouldn't have any unemployment. Correct. We should have a lot of job openings, but the unemployment rate should be relatively low because no one's searching for jobs because they're filling the jobs. Mm-hmm. This leads directly into my first thoughts before I even read this absurd article, which was, <laughs> well, yeah, of course, Nevada has the highest unemployment rate in the country. We've hyper banded our jobs in this state. We've made it to where you're either you either have to be hyper skilled and mm-hmm. a hyper qualified engineer to get the jobs at some of the high tech firms and companies that are coming into the state, or you have to have an MBA or, you know, you have to have a very high level of qualification to get a lot of these high end jobs that are being brought to the state. So these are like the high level employment. These are the companies that are bringing in their corporate headquarters into areas like Reno and USA Parkway in Vegas. They're, they're moving their whole operations here, but those are hyper banded jobs or those are people making upwards of a hundred, 150 K at least. And that's in Nevada. That's a decent amount of money. Yeah. And then you have the other end of this band where if you're not in one of those jobs, you have to take a non-skilled labor job Mm -hmm. where you move shit in a fucking factory. Yeah. And like, that's all you get to do. So you either get a lot of degrees 
or you can have anything less than any of all those degrees, but that's pretty much where you're relegated to is a less than qualified job because those are the two hyperbands. Okay. You're either designing the crap for the warehouse or moving the crap in the warehouse once it's designed. Okay. That's Nevada's employment market. Yeah. And that makes yet sense. we're trying to get a relatively moderate it, uh, employment market, I'd argue, with the kids that we're putting into the workforce. Yeah. Look at the education programs that UNR and UNLV are putting forward, our, our colleges are putting forward. They're not necessarily putting out hyper-skilled or highly skilled workforce people, but they're putting out people with skills. They're putting out people with applicable skills that can be used in a lot of these industries, but they don't have their master's degrees or they don't have, you know, the full engineering degree. They just have a CS degree. And it's like, ah, yes. But if you got a CS mm -hmm. engineering degree, we'd, we'd hire like, yeah, they're not making it fully enough. So they're having to leave the state to get a job. Mm. Now I read this absurd article and the article is like, oh, well, yeah, of course the unemployment rate's high. We have so many people coming into this state that we've never like... It, it's crazy and you can't quite do the numbers correctly because we have this influx of so the population's growing at the same time and we have all these jobs and it's like, well, yeah, they have to come into the state because our state's not putting out the workers that need to fill these hyper-banded fucking jobs. Our state's only putting out the lower end, yeah. so we're opening up all these high-end jobs that our state can't fill and then we're like, oh, but yeah, we're bringing in all these people and yet we have this high unemployment rate and it's like, well, yeah, because the people in the state... They're not qualified. Can't, yeah, they can't get the jobs that they want, mm -hmm. and they don't want the jobs that you're offering them because you're like, oh, but we, we have all these jobs. What's going on? Yeah, they're manufacturing jobs. They're warehouse yeah. jobs. Like, yeah. if I have a CS degree, I don't want to work in the warehouse. I want to work in the cubicle. But you're not allowing me to work in the cubicle because some guy from Indiana, I dare say Indiana because that's lucky. They're probably from out of the country, has a better CS degree than me. Sure. Yeah, like my my dad is a manager of engineers in his civilian job, and all the time I know he works with more people from India than he does wow. in America, and he manages engineers like they. Yeah, and I was I was thinking about this from the perspective of <laughs> uh, this is our S word, <laughs> stadium, right, and. Here, here we go saying we're going to supply a, a shit ton of jobs, right? By having this new sports stadium. But again, to your point, it's, it's really more lower level service industry jobs. Yeah. It's like and I, it's, um, they, they, they say they're going to make, don't want, they, they yeah. want to get above that, you know, but it. We're, we're Nevada. And yeah, they, they say it's going to be union jobs in the stadium, but I don't know. I just, I know how stadiums necessarily work, run, and operate, and I know what a union job requires, mm -hmm. like just to be a, a union job or like how they operate, and I've never heard of a part-time union gig. Hmm. I just, I, I, I'm not in that area. I'm not sure. one of them, so I don't know. Yeah. This could be one of those, like, there's a legal thing, but... I've never heard of a part-time union gig, so I don't see how a stadium job is going to be union. Yeah, I, don't I don't know. know. That, okay. but like, and, and that's the whole thing. There's this, we have this like, oh yeah, we're going to get all this labor in, but it, we're not putting the education forward in our state. We're not putting the money where it needs to be to create the workforce to fill the jobs. So we're inherently creating our own unemployment problem because these people are looking for a job until they give up, quit, and go to another state. Mm-hmm. And then it's, oh, yeah, we've got this huge influx of people. And I'm like, you're, I strongly disagree with a lot of the thoughts in the article. Sure. I, I think something just to keep in mind, right, is we talk about a supply and demand issue just to, to keep in context the, the type of supply and the type of demand that actually exists and, and how those things aren't actually lining up. Okay, so we're going to move on to our next topic now, which is the GOP and in the state of Nevada, there are some fun things happening here on the GOP side that is relevant to a primary or a caucus 
when it comes to the process of the presidential election. So an RGJ article from August 16th shared that in 2021, our legislature passed a law to move to a primary system rather than holding a caucus for presidential elections. We were one of the last states holding out the caucus system. Yeah, I believe that. So this was done because primaries have been known to increase voter participation and are less confusing. That's a really tight gist here. If, if you want to know more about this, you should go out to somewhere like a old military base and talk with any of their old Republicans or Democrats at the military base or around the area. Because what they will tell you is the old caucus system was highly, highly strange, especially if you got to somewhere like Fallon, because they had to work with all of these naval soldiers who would come in, and they'd be from other states where they were only in a voting primary, and they had to learn this caucus system, and they were like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, what's going on? I'm so confused. And this was this whole, like, reteaching, because our system is so, it was so unique, so different. Yeah. And so let me ask you, Tim, have you ever caucused nope. before? Okay. So Do you want to know why? Because it's crazy. I learned, I learned about it in high school <laughs> and every single like political person was like, yeah, it's such a great system. It's awesome. And I heard about it and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> it hey, sounds uh, horrible. How old were you in uh, 2015? Like 19, 20. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. No, so I, I was that... definitely old enough to vote. That was the okay, problem. Yeah. Like the first presidential primary that I voted in was the one that I didn't have to caucus. Sure. Like it, it I, I'm not, I, I will just be upfront with that. That is okay. how much I was. So I'm one of those people. It was confusing and it sounded like a waste of time. My dad always like he dreaded having to caucus. He always just mm. was like, God, I hate having to do the president. It's so fucking shitty. You're in a school for six hours and you're just all these people yelling at each other and you have to get up and move around and it's all this crap and I just want to <laughs> vote. Yeah. So I, I have not personally caucused. However, Danette has caucused and she caucused between Bernie and Hillary for the 2016 presidential primary. And she told me, I remember it. I remember her going and doing it. And she, she just talked about how it was absolute chaos. People yeah. are literally just shouting at each other, trying to convince one another who they should put forward. And nobody who was there was going to have their mind changed, essentially, is uh, yep. how she put it. And so moving to a primary system really seems to be, first, a, a very civil route, right, to go. Um, Caucuses made sense in the small townships yes. that existed in Nevada in its early days. Exactly. We can go into that a lot more. Sorry for the interjection. No, 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 no. You're absolutely right. So it's the primary route is a much more civil route, and also, like, you can tally votes easier, and it's also more inclusive right the reason i wasn't there i remember because i had to work and so it's not like you know your normal uh presidential election day where you're like i'm gonna go vote and it's my civic duty and legally you yep. have to let me that is not the case for a caucusing or even for um a primary vote so we need to uh keep that in mind as, as we're talking about this so I'm going to share what's happening with the Republican Party right now in the state. So the GOP is not happy about this. And the state party, the Nevada State Ooh, Republican wah, Party, wah, wah. <laughs> they have decided that they don't care what the primary votes are or that they should be doing that route. They are going to select their candidate via caucus in February, which is, again, limited to in-person voting. Uh, but supposedly, they they want this so much to just go against the primary system that they have already gone to the Nevada Supreme Court to uh, petition this and attempt to block the primary from happening. Uh, from my understanding, oh, so and I, I think an important point to add 
is that the judge last month denied, but it sounds like they're saying, look, you can still kind of do whatever you want to do. But the important thing to mention here, the state Republican Party chairman, Michael McDonald, who is really pushing for all of this, he was... um, one of the six fake electors. <laughs> and I just want to make sure that, that that's out there. Well, let's also quote the former chairman of Nevada GOP. Amy Ms. Tarkanian? Yeah, Mrs. Amy Tarkanian. Please. Who specifically said, you know, like, yeah, this is probably a move designed to favor Donald Trump. Yep. I think that was a quote attributed to her. I might be misquoting that a little bit, but I thought that was attributed to her yeah i believe she was definitely supporting the thought that this could be uh being pushed in trump's favors is why they're really fighting against this but to quote the article just to make sure i don't know if she directly said it but the article says a frequent critic of the state party she once ran she said she was disappointed to see nevada pushing a nominating process that appears to benefit trump Correct. So it wasn't a direct quote. Don't know specifically what she said, but I actually, that was one of my first thoughts when I was reading this was like, why would they try and go? Because they hated the caucus as she even attributed back in 2012, where Mm -hmm. it's confusing. And they were the largest proponents against the caucus for the longest time. The only reason they'd want to do it now would be it's easier to kind of shore up who you pick in a caucus. To manipulate it, yeah. Yeah. It's much easier to manipulate over not. And we know that uh, Republican Party Chair Michael McDonald is a fan of manipulating things if he needs to. Yeah. Yeah, We we have proof of this. Uh, Okay. So, yes, Amy Tarkanian did say that. She also said, we left a caucus for a good reason. It was confusing. And McDonald described the caucus as a, quote, more pure process for the electorate to be involved in. Because we know that he is here for a pure process. No, no, no. Okay. And I I will say this. He's not necessarily wrong in that statement. But it's also not correct when you contextualize the statement. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. in an ideal democracy where townships are small, and again, we're going back to a time where... Even just to cross between, you know, Washoe Valley into Reno, that was a day's trip on horse and walking. Like, we have to think back then, small townships, it was easier to caucus and talk with your neighbors and have these civil discussions. Yeah. But once you built a car and once you decrease the distance that it takes to travel miles at a time, or the time that it takes to travel miles at a time you change the fundamental way that you interact with your community Mm -hmm. because your community goes from small to large inherently, like just by default. And in a large community, you can't have a town hall dialogue. Like, I don't know what the math calculation is, but there's probably like some town hall calculation. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, once you have a crowd this big, the town hall is no longer effective. Correct. And, that's, that's a caucus. Of, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's where we're at. In, in the modern caucus system, it doesn't work. Like, yeah. yeah, in its purest form, it's great. But in its purest form, the Electoral College also works pretty well. But <laughs> in, in the modern application of it, it's crap. So we have to adjust. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's good. All right. So I'll wrap this up and then we'll jump into our lobbying discussion. So... This week, the party announced again that it's going to hold its caucus on February 8th, which is two days after the state-run election, so the primary election. It also plans to hold a presidential debate ahead of the caucus. Again, um, Chairman Michael McDonald, he told the Las Vegas Review-Journal that the party will charge candidates $55,000 to participate in the caucus. But if the candidate holds an event with the Nevada Republican Party, they'll knock off 20 grand. What a guy. Uh, so apparently there was a rebuttal from a candidate in who's oh in Rhode Island, Steve Laffey. He called the price tag to participate in the caucus exorbitant and outrageous. So they're yeah. doing both. They're like, okay, there's going to be a primary, but we're still going to hold the caucus because the judge told them they could just pretty much still do that if they wanted. And apparently there are some states who do that. And the 
the party will be able to select who they want. Which will be interesting. Well, oh, we yeah. all know it's going to be Trump, basically, is, is where that's going to land. Calling it now. All right. Shall we jump into lobbying? Yeah, let's do it. Because, I, yeah, I had nothing else for the GOP primate. They just want control. Yeah. They're pissed that they didn't win, so they want to just, you know, always be the losing side so they can claim victim. And like, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. All right. So there was a Nevada Independent article posted yesterday just yesterday it was actually very thorough they always have such great content and reporting but what they shared in this article is that local governments in nevada broke the record for annual lobbying spending by over seven hundred thousand dollars as the legislature was fully in person for the first time since the pandemic i would like to note that that's seven people's salaries about yeah uh, yeah, that's, that's a good an important. Point. That's an important point of what I'm going to be saying on this topic. I'm going to just throw out a couple of numbers, and then Tim is going to break this down for us. So, the funding represents a 167 percent increase from 2021. Again, we were still in the heart of a pandemic during that time. Uh, total spent on lobbying by local governments in 2023 was $4,697,806. And when broken down by county, it actually showed that Washoe County spent more than any county, including Clark County, on lobbying. We physically spent more money on lobbying than we did. Yeah, our county just spent more on lobbying efforts. So. Uh, I'm going to, okay. <laughs> I understand a bit about lobbyists. They're basically people who are trying to influence people in office. But I do believe that people in office also depend on them to inform them, right? And, and give them information. So I think it's important to share what lobbyists are, what they do, and why this matters. I don't, I don't even necessarily think that lobbyists are the bad people here. Lobbyists, yes, do get a bad rap because at the end of the day, they can be as slimy as they are portrayed in media where mm -hmm. they're buying meals for – it, it they're there to get influence. Yeah. They're there to be the in-between between the company and the legislature because the company can't always be in the legislature doing stuff. So they have to hire someone to do it for them because it's just easier. You know, are they, do they inform? I don't, I'm not going to say yes or no to that one because I haven't interfaced with enough lobbyists in a professional manner. With that being said, they might be very informative to our legislatures, but at the end of the day, I know that every legislature talks about the badges in the in the ledge because they want to know if they're talking with a paid lobbyist or not, because it immediately changes how they interact in the conversation. They, my impression, and I could be wrong with this, but my impression is they don't look to lobbyists for information. They look to lobbyists knowing that a lobbyist has an agenda. They're not here to inform me as much as they're here to influence me. They look to their constituents or the people in their district or the citizen lobbyists for the information. Because there are also citizen lobbyists versus paid lobbyists where paid lobbyists are paid. They're there representing a city council, a government, mm -hmm. a school, an organization. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. And then there are the citizen lobbyists that are there either advocating for themselves or a citizen group, but they're yeah. not necessarily being paid money. They're there on their own time, on their own will. They're just to try and influence. They, from what I understand, and again, I've never interacted with any of them on a professional level, but right. they, get, they get a little bit more almost heedance being a citizen lobbyist because they're not there to make money. So already it's like, no, 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 they're here to influence me, but they're not here to influence me with an agenda. So it makes it different if that's, it's, it's a nuanced thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a challenging thing. Uh, and I have heard that politicians do say that lobbyists bring them information to help make an informed decision. I mean, that is part of the reason they exist. Um, but also, you know, to your point, there is a, a company's desire for impact. Well, it, it could be a company. It could be another government. It could be, it, there is an entity, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That 
there are multiple sides to an issue and lobbyists are they they could be representing all these different uh groups of people so some it's good it's good to have information and to know what the yep. the impact is so now that we got that out of the way shit tell us why we spend so much money <laughs> it's not even why we spent so much money my problem is is that like why we spent so much fucking money <laughs> million across the state. Yeah. As I pointed out, it was increased by 700K. That is seven people's salaries. Not seven lobbyists, seven people's salaries. We can be spending this $4.7 million in far better ways. Knowing that they're coming from cities, okay, we can put them into roads. We can put them into improving the school districts in those cities. We could put them into hiring more city uh, employees to improve just the general city government of those areas. Like, We can be spending that money better. If you want to take that on a larger scale in the state, we could be using that money to have a fucking longer legislature so they don't have to lobby as much. <laughs> as much. We could be using that to, you know... Uh, this sounds like more work. like a broke my brain if we I'm could honest. have more workforce <laughs> oh no the broke my brain is simpler but we could okay. have more workforce development using this money and yet it's being spent to influence our leaders mm-hmm. why did Washoe County spend so much money because they're pissed about Ward 6 mm-hmm. like actually they wanted to get that reverted so they had to spend so much money to try and lobby to get that law reverted because they wanted to go back to their at-large seat Interesting. that's why Washoe spent so much money this last session I guarantee it there <laughs> and I know that it, that sounds messed up but it was them trying to revert their own things that they spent money on getting passed years ago because then they wanted to revert on it it <laughs> And it all boils back down to this isn't necessarily the city's fault, but it's the state's fault. It's all a holdover from Dylan's rule and how our state interacts with the cities and the fact that cities have to go to the state legislature to get things like their ward maps changed. Sure. And the city council can't vote on that themselves. They have to go to, you know, mom and dad and ask permission to change how their city's drawn. What? Yeah. Oh, and mom and dad only meet every two years, so... If you don't get it done this year, you got to wait three years to do it again. Like, huh? There's such a holdover in our state from old Nevada and from old, like, how things used to be where towns weren't as powerful and big. So it had to be up to the state legislature because that was the only governing body in the damn state. To now we have 17 different governing bodies, Mm -hmm. at least 15 different city councils, I believe plenty of county commissions like we have the lower structure to be doing this governance and yet we keep tying our hands it goes back to and i was trying to think of a of a better analogy but this is the one that i got nevada seems to be wanting to run a marathon with the rest of the states but we've got weights around our wrist and ankles we're carrying a fucking military backpack and we just keep adding shit to the back of it instead of trying to like reduce our weight and make Mm -hmm. our carry easier we keep just we have all these roadblocks you have a a ledge that only meets every two years Mm -hmm. oh and every city if they want to make a large change to their charter has to go to that ledge to make a change every two years yeah So then they have to pay uh, the salary of fucking seven people in there that they could be using to improve their IT department or get another election worker or, you know, hire an assistant clerk somewhere. Like, the money could be better used in their own city, and they're having to spend it to just change the laws to get improvements for their city instead of actually improving their city. I know why we spent so much and it's because they're trying to improve their cities. The problem that I have with it is that why can't they just spend the money on improving their cities themselves? Yeah, um, because of bureaucracy. <laughs> well, it, it's bureaucracy, but it, it goes back to old old laws in Nevada and how yeah. Nevada laws are written. I don't even think it's bureaucracy. That is bureaucracy. bureaucracy. No, no, but bureaucracy <laughs> is red tape, and it's barriers that you have to overcome. Uh-huh. Ours is Those literally just... No, this is actually just a, 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 a Supreme Court case from like 1853 that dictated how states interact with cities, mm. and we never changed our state constitution. 
Well, we like I, get I, on that, I, and that might be that might be where I just view bureaucracy as like layers sure. and layers of red tape, and this uh-huh. is one layer of red tape that you just we can't <laughs> it's one seem really to big get. One. Yeah, we can't seem to get past. So uh, yeah, I, I that, think no what matter what though lobbyists are going to continue to exist, oh, right? I, I'm and not saying that lobbyists need to go away. I'm saying that our city governments shouldn't have to buy lobbyists. Like companies, I get needing to have lobbyists. I get organizations needing to yeah. have lobbyists. This isn't me saying lobbyists need to go away. Let, let me just say that. No, but, you're good. And for perspective, Tim, because on this article to our listeners, they have a really great infograph that shows the breakdown of lobbyists hired by category. The largest category uh, for lobbyists hired was city government. And then the next highest category was county government. Then after that, you've got the school district, transportation, public health and safety, water, tourism, you know, so, but to Tim's point, to your point, Tim, yeah, the, the largest groups were for city and county yeah. government uh, hiring I, I, lobbyists. And I am not like lobbyists might be good. They might be bad. I don't know. But I don't think our city and our county should or need to be spent. Like They need to. But I don't think they should have to spend. Sure. Spend any money on lobbyists or if they do, not as fucking much as they are. Yeah. Like it's we have to fix this system. 4.7 could be used so much better in our state in so many different ways. And yet we're just essentially throwing it at a wall. Hey, we spent more on lobbyists this past session than any you know, other I, session. I, I might have pissed some of our listeners off or some friends or some things because I know a lot of people that were lobbyists. <laughs> yes. And like, how do you there do are the, many in our group. the civilian lobbyists? But like... <laughs> Honest to God, if you were a city or county lobbyist, like, could you turn the money back? Can you give it back to them? <laughs> that's that's our take on lobbyist records being broken. Now we'll go to what broke my brain. So, Tim, do you want to go first? Yeah, I, I can go first because mine kind of goes back to the GOP caucus topic a little bit. Cool. Because my mine is just I'm. I'm really sitting back and struggling here because we've talked about this before and this has been my broke my brain. So I'm just going to be brief with it. But (laughs) not only is the Democratic Party seeming to just pull wool over their own eyes and say, no, 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 we know what's best. And yet still asking why they can't get young voters to engage with their party because they keep pulling the wool over their eyes and saying, no, 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 we've got this guy who's amazing and he's great. And the amount of elderly people that have approached me personally at events and said, well, I just don't understand why your generation doesn't like Joe Biden because he's done so much. And yet they don't even ask what my perspective is on it. They're just Mm. immediately telling me Mm. he's done so many great things, refusing to ask youth why they don't like him. Like, okay, so the Democrats are fucking this up for long enough, but now we have all this shit coming out of Trump's not going to do the GOP debate because he's the front runner. Mm-hmm. We've got this stuff in Nevada of like, yeah, we're pretty sure they want to do a caucus just to ensure that he is their front runner mm-hmm. and like no one else gets a chance. And yet now they're also wondering why people are so disengaged from the party. We're tired of Trump versus Biden. We just fucking had this election. Like, give us some different options. Never have I ever seen the Republican Party double down on a candidate in my lifetime. They might have in the past, so I'm not going to say it's never happened. But at least from my thoughts, they're smart enough to know, well, we didn't win with this guy, so we're going to try something new. Like, they're really quick yeah, to just no go to the next to thing. <laughs> Why would you f- do that when he lost already? Well, well no, and that's the, thi- that's the thing. Re- Republicans, like, every every time prior, like, McCain was a damn good candidate, and they mm-hmm. switched to Romney, who was, I'm not going to say, was a bad candidate. He was pretty good. But, like, there there was that immediate, like, okay, we didn't win with this guy, so right. we need to go to a new guy. Get like, a viable candidate. Yeah, there, there's this constant, okay, they brush themselves off they and they get back on the horse with something new. Like, they tr- they're always trying something new up until now. And now they've hit this wall where it's like, well, I, I just don't get why people are being so disengaged. Like, this is a great guy. And it's like, but you guys hit a wall. 
Like yeah. you hit the, you finally hit the wall and you're doing the same shit that Democrats are doing. And, and now we're wondering why we're seeing so many memes of the 25, 25, 49. And it's like, wake the fuck up and talk with the 49. <laughs> we're tired of the 25, 25 bullshit. I love There's that you my... mentioned memes. Cause I, I have a meme. <laughs> Well, like, no, I just keep seeing them over and over where it's like the blue is 25, the red's 25, and then the other 49% is the white nonpartisan, like, Mm -hmm. guys, we're pissed about this. Stop. Like, we want actual democracy, not your two-party fucking bullshit where you're charging 55 fucking K to debate. Like, tell me that's not a racketeering job. Like, that is such a god. And I I know I'm not even using racketeering right, but, like, that's such a... (laughs) a damn pyramid scheme of like just oh no 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 pay me but like it's a who's who's club to ensure that only the rich get in it not only that i also think like (sighs) okay my broke my brain is along similar lines so i'm just gonna continue on this rant here go into it you know it's like the only thing that i could think of that's why all but it just doesn't make sense because there's so many people not in office that still support trump but you know, there's got to be so many people who their own, I don't want to use the word freedom, but their lack of accountability is tied to Trump winning or not. So they continue to support him so that maybe they too won't go to jail. I don't know. But okay. I, I don't even I don't think it's that <laughs> as much as I, people. And at the end of the day, this is the honest to God truth, because it can be boiled down to people don't like change and people don't like to be wrong. Like those two things together make a lot of it a lot better or not a lot better, but make a lot more sense because I was talking with someone just over the weekend and their brother has not talked with them in four years because they had an honest to God conversation with them where they were Mm -hmm. like, look, you can talk to me about any issue. I'm, mm-hmm. I will, I will talk with you about anything. We have ideological differences, but I'll speak with you on anything yeah. except Trump. Okay. Don't bring up Trump. That's my only condition. And he responded back with, well, we can no longer maintain a relationship with those conditions. And they have not talked since now boiling down to, well, Trump lost, but God forbid you admit that Trump lost or you admit that he was wrong. And like everything you were saying now means you were also wrong. And like everything you believed means that you like, and, and that's hard to grasp, and I'm not trying to, like, say that makes it okay, but it's not an easy pill to swallow, which is probably where, like, the more, the more in trouble Trump gets, the harder it's going to be for them to admit that they're wrong because of what then they're having to admit they're wrong about. Yeah, no, I, I think that's um, a realistic way of putting it. So just naturally, people want to double down. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going to read this meme, okay? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so there's this fun meme posted to, I don't know, something I saw on Instagram, some progressive power <laughs> account. So it's from the perspective of HR or human resources for a company. And they're talking to Trump, okay? And they're saying, Let me make sure I understand. You were fired. You refused to leave. And you called a bunch of your friends to vandalize the workplace. When you finally did leave, you stole a bunch of classified documents. You got caught, lied about it, and got caught again. And now you're reapplying for the job. (laughs) It's like... And, okay, so this this is my broke my brain. So people who are still supporting Trump literally must, to your point, in order to not have to be wrong, need to do mental gymnastics to somehow justify that he is still fit to run for office. So in a, um, a recent podcast episode that I listened to, somebody was describing how Trump, as we all know, often portrays himself as the victim of some Biden-led or Democratic-led witch hunt. But the reality is that all of the people who have provided evidence against Trump are mostly Trump-appointed prior people, okay? And this is Jen Psaki, by the way. She used a great line where she said, 
the calls are coming from inside the house, right? Like these people who are providing the details of Trump's crimes were his own people. This is not coming from any Democrat and they're individuals from within his inner circle. And so it's just mind blowing to me. I think you have a good idea, Tim, of what you shared around possible motivation for wanting to continue to find ways to justify and and be right here. It's self-preservation. Yeah, really. and it's, it's not an active like search. It's a passive subconscious just yeah, human totally. thing. And yeah. uh, of course, my response to your, to your broke my brain, I'm going to just read the actual damn quote at this point. Okay. A person is smart, but people are dumb. Panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. 1,500 years ago, everyone knew the Earth was the center of the universe. 500 years ago, everyone knew the Earth was flat. And then he goes on to say, and 15 minutes ago, you knew that humans were the only thing on the planet. Because it's a men in black quote. It's it's the quote that I just keep coming back to of like... (laughs) You can get an individual and they can be extremely, extremely intelligent, but then you mm-hmm. put them with someone else and like, it's two brain cells firing, you know, like, it, <laughs> and that's the, and that's the worst truth, but we see it across the board and we see it all the time. It's, it's a subconscious desire to not be wrong. Mm-hmm. It's the subconscious desire to, you know, survive and be better. And once you get a group of it, it's easier to just fall with the group. There's group speak. There's the psychology yeah. behind the bystander oh, other effect. people like, also see this. I must not be wrong. I must yeah, not be and, the only well, one. But and and we can't. Yeah, and I, I yeah, we can't dismiss the bystander effect either. I know it's hard to think about, but we definitely saw it in the last couple of elections where it was like, well, everyone else is thinking this, so I have to think it too. Or, you know, yeah. at least everyone else is going this way, so I have to go this way too. Not necessarily I have to think this way, but like right. I at least have to go with the group because I don't want to be persecuted by the group. Like there's, I don't know how much of that's at play, but all of this comes into, comes into it. Yep. It's brain breaking, but I guess not surprising. And with that, Tim, let's wrap this up. Well, you know, next week I can actually preview this because we're going to talk about it because I found the topic and I'm excited about it. (laughs) We're going to be talking about land use bills in Nevada because apparently Nevada is one of the unique states with how we use our land. And I just found this article and it's from weeks ago. So I'm sorry if any of our viewers have already read it but we're talking land use next week we're talking (laughs) land and it will coincide perfectly with burning man because they'll all be out there loving the land and like you know doing their their fun dirt stars in the desert so (laughs) we're talking about land hey look if you've never done a dirt star you don't know i don't i don't know (laughs) they're dumb they're really dumb (laughs) (laughs) so we're talking land land use next week this week we had some fun topics Mm -hmm. send our suggestions send your suggestions to Hello at nvpoliticspodcast.com. Also, if you think we lied to you, tell us that too so we yeah, can correct yeah, it. Yeah, send us the corrections. We'll we'll check them. We'll make sure. We're happy sure to look into things. Yeah, we're we're not all we're we're not lawyers. We're not the smartest. We try, but you know, <laughs> there's only so much we can do. I like That's to quote right. men in black for crying out loud. I'm not mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. the staple of <laughs> pure intellectual thought here. Uh, where you can listen to us on Apple Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcasts. Yeah. You did it. You got them all. Have we fixed the 10-episode thing? Yes. You can now listen to all of our episodes, thank God. You can, and I apologize that for like a week and a half, the... You couldn't listen to anything because I broke the website, but it's working again, and you can listen to all of our episodes. Technology happens. Apparently, some of our listeners thought it was their problem and not ours. I did hear that, yes. So (laughs) you're all wonderful who thought that it was like your car play was broken or your phones were silly. No, it was me. I did it. But hey... We're, we're getting there. We get back up. Um, come back next week. Yeah. Oh, leave us reviews. Subscribe. Write the comments. I don't know what else you can like do. Like us, whatever. Interact with the, the podcast. Do it. Uh, <laughs> other than that, bye. Bye. Bye.